Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Vandalia, Michigan campus. For more info, look us up at newdaycommunity.org. Good morning, everybody. Praise God. <laughs> so good to see you again and participate what God is doing with you in this uh, season of joy. And uh, I hope you are not... Uh, uh, I mean, frustrated after Thanksgiving with the calories you got. <laughs> Just kidding. Good calories. Yeah. It's a good way to suffer. <laughs> Amen. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for this great opportunity and honor to step on this platform and to share the gospel with you. And uh, uh, I really believe uh, the United States has sent so many uh, missionaries all over the world and uh, you have established that mentality that you are the only ones to give and uh, but if you give you receive okay <laughs> so uh, uh, I mean maybe God will send more missionaries to the United States also not on the purpose just to teach you something but to cross-pollinate maybe your culture and uh, just uh, bring some new perspectives from the world, you know, and uh, here we are, praise God, with the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit, and I believe this morning God's going to bless you, strengthen, lift you up, and just do something specific, intentional, and deep with your hearts, so you may face your challenges in a victorious way, and just... Uh, be, be brought to another greater level of faith and expectation and deepness in his love and grace. Amen. Amen. Praise God. So uh, I want to turn to the Old Testament and I want to share a story this morning. I, I, I was really between two, but praise God, you know, for the guidance of the Holy Spirit. So he, he, he established my heart to, to share this story with you. Uh, it is a story written in the second book of Samuel, chapter 9. It's a famous story of uh, David, the king, showing kindness to a person, a man called Mephibosheth. And uh, it's, uh, uh, I mean, one of the most beautiful depictions and like uh, a picture of, of God's grace. A display of how we can depict and and understand what what grace is because you know today's uh, uh, know so so much uh, said about grace and and told about grace and even we we we've got some misunderstandings about grace but uh, we need to turn to the bible and just see and look what god's grace look like okay what, what the grace is appointed to be all about and I love this story, but praise God, God gave me new perspectives, new revelations, so I'm excited too. You know, it's not uh, head knowledge, it is from the bottom of my heart, and I really believe the Holy Spirit will make a specific impartation, will bring courage and restoration and hope, and uh, like will strengthen your hearts in the grace of God. So uh, let me read a little bit from Second Samuel chapter 9. Then David said... Is there yet anyone left of the house of Saul, that's King Saul, that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? 
Now there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba. And they called him to David. And the king said to him, Are you Ziba? And he said, I am your servant. The king said, Is is there not yet anyone of the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness of God? The kindness of God. That, that's the mercy. That's the grace of God. It was not David's personal intention, desire, kindness or whatever, human uh, intention or uh, motivation or things like that. It was a display of God's Kindness. So let us see and look what God kindness looked like. And Ziba said to the king, There is still a son of Jonathan who is crippled in both feet. So the king said to him, Where is he? And Ziba said to the king, Behold, he is in the house of Mahir, the son of so and so, in the land of Lodibar. Then the king David sent and brought him. From the house of Mahir, the son of Emil, from Lodibar, Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David and fell on his face and prostrated himself. And David said, Mephibosheth. And he said, He is your servant. David said to him, Don't be afraid. Do not fear. For I will surely show kindness to you for the sake of your father, Jonathan, and will restore to you all the land of your grandfather Saul, and you shall eat at my table constantly. Again, he prostrated himself and said, What is your servant that you should regard a dead dog like me? Can you imagine? Then the king called Saul's servant Ziba and said to him, All that belongs to Saul, uh, King Saul and, and, and to all his house, I have given to your master's grandson. Re restoration of the inheritance. You and your sons and your servants shall cult cultivate the land for him and you shall bring in the produce so that your master's grandson may have food. Nevertheless, Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, shall eat at my table constantly as one of my sons. Praise God. So, this is generally the story all about. But it is so jammed with, with power and revelation. You know, I, I barely have time to share every detail. But uh, the, the first thing I want to start that... Uh, with is that Mephibosheth in this case is a, a, a kind of a, a very powerful representation of the sinner and I will tell you why because first of all we were saved by God's grace amen we were saved transferred from one place which is called the kingdom of darkness into another sphere or dimension which is called the kingdom of his light which is the the, the kingdom of his beloved son that that's what paul says in the book of Col colossians uh, second thing we were lost and uh, but we were found okay and in this case we 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 see pretty much you know the similarity of what the new testament teaches in display in the life of this person and and king's david grace you know being shown to to, to him 
So uh, the, 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 the story of Mephibosheth starts in a sad way. This is the thing, why he was crippled. Uh, he is the son of Jonathan. And when King Saul and his son Jonathan, you know, fell in a battle, uh, they, they fought against the Philistines and they lost their lives, both of them. And then the news spread all over the land. And uh, at that time, you know, there was enmity between the house of David and between the house of King Saul. So immediately when King Saul lost his life and, and, and fell with his son Jonathan, the house of Saul flew away because they knew that uh, King David will come and he will take over the, 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 the kingdom. And uh, they, they run away under the threat of saving and protecting their lives. That's pretty much what would take place in a usual way, you know. But David's intention had nothing to do with that. It was just a wrong understanding, you know. So the, the maid servant, the nurse who was taking care uh, uh, of, of uh, Jonathan's son, Mephibosheth, at that time Mephibosheth was five years old. So she, she grabbed him and ran away. And, you know, women at that time, they didn't wear jeans. You know, they had these long, whatever you call, skirts. So, so somehow she, she, she stumbled she, or she slept and she, she fell and dropped the child. And when this five-year child dropped down, you know, something uh, went wrong with his backbone or with his legs. You know, I don't know what exactly, but he remained. He wasn't healed and he remained crippled for the rest of his life. Both legs, amen. Both legs. And, and, and then he ran away, hide himself, and, and, and lived and was raised and, uh, in a far place. Uh, he didn't have any possessions. He is crippled. And, and he's in, in, in such a sad and, and desperate situation, you know, and lives in the house. He doesn't have a house even. He lives in the house of someone. His name is given. So why I believe it is an exact uh, a picture and representation of the sinner? Because, uh, first of all, uh, you know, we lost the inheritance. We, lost, we came short of the glory. Yeah. Disabled to walk right with God because of the weakness of the flesh. Amen? And... Uh, uh, we, we live separate from, from the, the, the heavenly king, okay? And we are with this wrong concept that God is against us, yeah. you know? Yeah. Actually, David was not against Mephibosheth. Yeah. David was not pursuing Mephibosheth in the, ho the house of Saul to, to, destroy, to destroy them, yeah. which is uh, declared actually by Jesus. Look at that. Je Jesus says in the gospel of Luke, for the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Yeah. So this is pretty much between, uh, uh, between David and Mephibosheth. It is pretty much the story of the New Testament between God and his covenant he made in the face of Jesus Christ, his son, with us to save, to find us, to save us, and to bring us and to restore the inheritance and to bring us to this glorious place of his kingdom, his royalty, and, and to eat. We are privileged to eat regularly, constantly on the heavenly table of his uh, grace and love and, and, and everything. 
And so I just want to give you just a few little details, you know, like uh, uh, one of the questions. When David calls Ziba, he, he throws a question, where is he? Is, 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 is there someone left from the house of Jonathan to whom I may show grace? And they go, oh, yeah, there is one disabled, you know, a desperate situation. And, and the question, where is he? Doesn't that remind you of something? Do you remember that in the moment Adam and Eve ate from the, the tree of the knowledge and they trespassed, immediately they were disabled. They came short of the glory. They died spiritually. They they, they, they they're hiding, you know, uh, somewhere in the, in the bush and, and trying to, to, to stay away uh, from the presence of God because of guiltiness and fear. Amen. But what happened? God came in the garden and uh, uh, the, the, first, the first question pronounced, you know, from him is, where are you? I, I'm looking for you. I, I, I'm seeking. That's why I mentioned that verse from the Gospel of Luke. The Son of Man came to seek and to save what is lost. It wasn't that we found God, praise God. That the Bible never tells us that we are the one appointed to find God. The Bible always is telling us that we were blind and lost in our trespasses, but in His kindness and grace, it was His intention to come to find us the the the, the holes, you know, and the 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 the, the mire clay we were fallen and and to to, to save us. And to bring us and to restore us. So the first thing that which which uh, you know was interesting to me is the question: Where is he? And uh, the the second thing is that Ziba is giving us details and names where he lives. And uh, all these names they have uh, Hebrew uh, in in the Hebrew language they have meanings. For example, where is he? And Ziba says, okay, he is in the land of Lodibar in the house of Mahir. And I went to check. I was curious this morning to check and see. Listen to this. Mahir, the house, the person uh, in which house uh, Mephibosheth is living, translated on Hebrew means salt. Salt. does it remind you something? Listen to this. For we know that that's Paul in Romans 7, 14. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am a flesh sold into bondage to sin. Yeah. You see, he lives in that house. We, we used to live in the house of sin. Amen. We used to live in the house of sin, sold under the power of sin. But God's grace... Because David sent. It wasn't just call him to come here. He sent people. Arrested him by grace, you know. And brought him and established him before David's throne. And, and the second thing about the, these names, you know. Uh, in the house of Mahir, in the land of Lodibar. What, what does Lodibar, what, what is this name of this region meaning? If you see on Hebrew, it means uh, literally no pasture. That there is no food, there is no pasture there. This doesn't speak anything about, li- listen, listen. First Peter 2.25. 
For you were continually, continually straying like sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd and the guardian of your souls, Jesus Christ. We lived, sold under sin, in the house of sin, in a region, in a dimension, spiritual dimension in a realm, which was called Lodibar, where there was no pasture. Because no sheep, listen to me, no sheep can find a good pasture without having a shepherd. The sheep is not like the, the wild animals. They can survive, survive by themselves. The sheep is totally, entirely dependent on the shepherd. And without the shepherd, you are going astray. You are lost. And there is no pasture. But by his grace, he sent his son. He sent the Holy Spirit. He found us, you know, restored us and brought us back. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. So uh, why, 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 why David is doing this? Uh, if you don't know the story, if you're not uh, a lover of the Old Testament like me, you know, just, just a short uh, note on that. Uh, before, even before, who I love that, even before. Even before Mephibosheth was born, there was a relationship established between David and Jonathan. And this was not just a friendship. It went deeper and deeper until there was a bond between their souls uh, in love. And, 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 and finally, it ended up by they both made a covenant between themselves. Like uh, Jonathan said, I know that you are anointed and God has chosen you and that one day you will reign in this land instead of my father Saul. So please be faithful to me and please show kindness. Swear to me that you will show kindness to my descendants and to my you know, children uh, uh, because of the covenant we are making now. So they, they cut a covenant between themselves. Then years later, years, maybe 20 years, I don't know how many years, this, this, this guy has grown up. You know, he, does, he doesn't know anything. He doesn't know anything about what happened between David and Jonathan. He's ignorant. And that's the sinner. The sinner lives in ignorance of the good news that God is not against him. But through Jesus Christ, he cut a covenant. He gave his only beloved son on a purpose that you may found salvation. You may be translated, you know, into this glorious kingdom of light and grace where he will restore unto you the purpose of your existence you are made for. You are not made to die just to, 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 to enjoy a, a little, the, 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 the pleasures of the five senses and then being lost and no purpose, you know, of your living. You are made for the praise of his glory. Amen. That's your main purpose you are made for, for the praise of God's glory. You are made after the image and the likeness of the most high God. Thank you, Lord. So... So uh, Mephibosheth is so ignorant, he lives in fear that one day David will find him and will destroy him. And, and, and because of the ignorance, he suffers. 
He suffers what? He suffers loss. He suffers the consequences of uh, his disability in poverty in all kinds of things like that. And this is the sinner because of his ignorance of the good news. You know, the sinner most of the time will spend, you know, in troubles and calamities. Sooner or later, you pay the wages of sin. Yeah, amen. But the God's gift is eternal life. Praise God. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. So, so one day, actually, he was brought because David sold. David sold the descendants of Jonathan. And we have this covenant cut. You know, this covenant is not between you and God. Praise God for that. This covenant is between God and Jesus. Jesus is responsible for keeping this covenant, this faithfulness, righteousness, and everything before God by His blood, which speaks better things than the blood of Abel. On your sake, on your behalf. Thank you. So, 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 so beautiful. But... I said something before Mephibosheth was born. Do you know that some places in the New Testament, Paul is declaring that before the foundation of the world, there was something going on between God the Father and His Son. There was a covenant established, you know, because the Bible, you know, speaks some mysteries like the Lamb of God slain before the foundation of the world. There was a covenant, actually, because... Shortly, you know, uh, with few words, God is not limited by time. Actually, God is beyond the, the frame of time. God is outside of this frame, of these dimensions we uh, position. And for him, yesterday, today, and forever doesn't exist in that way, if I can say. Because he is the great I am. He is always now. He is always in the present. For him, there is no past. There is no future. He is not limited by these uh, dimensional things, you know, powers and laws. So uh, we cannot understand that because we're limited, but still it is true that for him, what was before the foundation of the world might be still, you know, present and, and, and still, um, uh, how to say, uh, uh, in power right now. So before the foundation, he established this covenant, and then this covenant was, uh, with Jesus I mean, and then this covenant was revealed and established on display, you know, 2,000 years ago. In, in, in the frame, in the dimension of our world, our earth, we are living in our lives. That's so beautiful. So, when the sinner is saved... It is not because of whatever you do, but it is because of God's intention. Even before the foundation of the world, he knew what's going to follow to save you and to bring you and to restore you to where you belong. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Beautiful story, isn't it? Thank you, Lord. So the, the, the next thing I want to share, which is very interesting, when I was shifting uh, and, and the pages, you know, turning the pages, I saw titles. Like I was uh, trying to find the story, which chapter the story is in. And uh, in the New American Standard Bible, every chapter uh, uh, preceding the story, you know, had a title. And I was captured by the names of the title, and suddenly I realized something. And this is the thing, you know, it didn't happen 
until David was established as a king uh, over the, 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 the whole Israel, and he, he triumphed as a king. And he had the victory uh, and being established as a king on, on, on display. Do you understand that? That it was a long journey for him. It was a long journey from the cave of Adullam where he escaped from King Saul and he started his journey being persecuted and, and sold after all his life until uh, uh, King Saul died. Then he was established as a king over Judah and then many years after that he was uh, established as a king over the whole Israel, entire Israel. And after he sat on his throne as a king over the whole Israel, you know, and he had everything subject, and he sought after the Ark of the Covenant and brought the Ark of the Covenant from the tabernacle of Moses to the, uh, the, the new place he, he was positioning called the tabernacle of David. You know, all these things took place before he called Mephibosheth in his palace, which speaks of something. You know, Jesus went through this journey. He paid the price. He came. He became a son, a, 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 a son of man. He, he suffered. He, he went through this, this crucifixion. Then he was resurrected, okay? Then he was ascended and established uh, in the heavenlies, you know, on his royal throne. And then he sent 50 days later... God have mercy. This is too deep. Fifty days later, after his ascension, what happened? The day of the Pentecost, he sent what? He sent the presence of the person of the Holy Spirit. There is a shift from the tabernacle of Moses, which is the Old Testament and the law, into the tabernacle of David, of which James speaks in the book of Acts chapter 15, that there is a transfer, there is a translation going on from one place to another, from one dimension to another, and it which is us, because the Bible is calling us today temples of the living God. So the presence of God was translated from that material temple right into our hearts, praise God. And we became the living, walking temple of the living God here on earth. And then we are uh, called and, you know, to, to inherit and to uh, enjoy and participate all the blessings and all the promises, great promises, which are yes and amen. amen. So we may become partakers, Peter says, of the divine nature. So you see, Mephibosheth was not privileged and blessed before King David to be established as a king on his royal throne. Jesus is not just a prophet. Jesus is not just a teacher, one of the many. Jesus is not just a rabbi or, you know, a Jewish personality who knew the Torah and was teaching on the mount of the, uh, you know, the, the uh, Matthew chapter 5. The, uh, all these things, although they, they are true and great, Jesus is the King of kings and Lord of lords. He reigns over the whole earth. He is established today, not just as a Savior, but as the King of the entire universe. 
And this king today is sending his grace to find you, to call you and to establish you before the presence, Jude says, he may uh, present you without stumbling uh, uh, in the presence of his glory with joy. With joy, no shame, no, because Mephibosheth's name is very much related to shame. If you go to the Hebrew. So this transfer, this translation, you know, it speaks about us and our lives and how great we, the sinners, the former sinners, we are privileged today to live, to be invited to participate his kingdom and to be invited to live in the power and in the presence and in the face of this king, you know, and his grace being constantly uh, 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 unveiled and unfolded into our lives. So beautiful. So good. So I want to share a few PowerPoints and, and, and finish with a uh, you know, prayer and a strong declaration and importation of one of the most be beautiful things that this chapter ends with. So the first thing, uh, it's a covenant thing, okay? And... Uh, uh, since it's a covenant thing between the Father and Jesus, speaks about restoration. The covenant is a covenant of restoration. And the beautiful thing is, when Jesus started his ministry, he stood up in the synagogue, opened the book of Isaiah, and started reading, you know, from Isaiah 61. And then he goes like, uh, to proclaim the favorable year, the jubilee year of the Lord. And he stopped there. He didn't go like, and the vengeance of the Lord, which is, you know, appointed for end times. So in the face of Jesus, we are brought to this season of what? Of restoration. Because the jubilee year, the favorable year of the Lord is all about the restoration of your inheritance and of your personality and affects your personal life. If you are not very well familiar, there was a law in the Old Testament that every 50 years there would be a, a, a crown of a jubilee year, you know, which uh, uh, liberation and freedom and restoration would be proclaimed all over the land. Yep. Sounds unthinkable because we are so, so uh, enslaved by the system today that there is no escape. Like, you know, uh, what I'm talking about, debts and, and banks and, and the financial system. And there is no such a thing like, oh, we one day, one day, if you wait, if you're patient, the Jubilee year will come and we will restore all the debts, you know, and, and everything. No, no, no. But in the land of Israel, it was a law. It's unthinkable that uh, you will sell your property to someone, you know, and take the money, and after 50 years, he will restore all the land, the house, or even if you don't have a land and a house, you, 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 you sell yourself, you know, as a slave. And then uh, imagine it's only two years, only two years, and then the jubilee year comes, the jubilee season comes, boom, you're free. 
Believe it or not, you are free to go back and everything is restored unto you. Every 50 years that was a law in Israel. But it was just a spiritual picture and representation. What will take place in the face of Jesus Christ for uh, our behalf, you know. So he's, he's coming. He, he has come to proclaim this spiritual jubilee year that now we are free from the slavery of sin. Free to go back home and be with our heavenly father and all the inheritance which belong to us to be restored unto us. So that's, that's in the face of Mephibosheth and David very much, uh, you know, revealed. It's uh, uh, the first, one of the first things. It's, it, it's restoration. It's a favorable year. And this is the beautiful thing. We are not enemies anymore. The enmity is killed in Jesus on the cross. There is no such a thing. Doesn't exist. Do you understand the power of the gospel? Enmity doesn't exist anymore. Right. You know, some people, they, they, they were so, uh, so much after Elvis Presley that there is a famous saying that uh, 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 Elvis is not dead. Yeah. David is not, uh, Elvis is not dead. But we know that he, he is dead, okay? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, not, nothing against Elvis, you know. He was a good guy. But the, the, the saying, I mean. Uh, but, but you see, listen what Paul says. This is the book of Ephesians 2.15. By abolishing in his flesh, Jesus, the enmity, which is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so that in himself, Jesus Christ, he might make the two into one new man, Israel and the Gentiles. Thus establishing peace and might reconcile them both in one body to God through the cross. By it having put to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who were far away like Mephibosheth. And peace to those who were near which is Israel, you know. For through him, we both have our access in one spirit to the Father. The Father, God the Father is not against you. He is for you in Christ Jesus. There is no enmity, Paul says. It is killed on the cross. It is the enemy taking advantage of our ignorance, lying to us and deceiving us that God doesn't like you if you don't read three chapters daily. You see, you don't, listen to this, you don't read the Bible to change God's opinion and, uh, uh, you know, uh, view or, or just uh, uh, behavior towards you. You read the Bible to change your opinion of God. <laughs> yeah. God, God has already loved you, but you need to read the Bible so you will not give place to the devil to deceive you by knowing the truth, praise God. But the devil is constantly taking advantage of the ignorant children, you know, unmature, and lying to them that, oh, he doesn't like you, he, he's against you, there's enmity, and you go and having a pity party of repentance and all kind of things like that. Which, you know, repentance, the, the Greek word for repentance is metanoia, which means changing your mind, the way you think, your perspectives of the things. It's not just having a pity party. The pity party was finished in the face of Jesus. He had your pity party on him. 
You know, he cried out. He suffered. Read Psalm 22. You know, Psalm 22, 23, and 24, they speak about the Messiah. 22 is the suffering servant. 23 is God is our shepherd currently, right now. 24 is the coming king to judge the nations. Amen. And you see, which season are we living now? God is my shepherd, I shall not lack. He anoints my head. He, what? He puts a table for me right in the presence of my enemies, just like with Mephibosheth, praise God. Yeah, uh, yeah it's a, the gospel is too good to be true. <laughs> he delights in you. He, you go like me? Yes, you. He delights in you because God's attitude towards you is not based on your behavior, on your goodness, on your performance. God's uh, attitude towards you is based on the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Amen. And here, like, uh, uh, there is a sentence, there is a verse in the book of Ephesians which is called, uh, goes like, being accepted in the beloved. You know, you're very well familiar that he has accepted us, God the Father, in the beloved. You are beloved because you are accepted in Jesus Christ, in, in Christ, because of him. Isn't that awesome? Uh, the, the Greek word for accepted uh, means highly favored. Yeah. Highly favored. Met only once in the Bible, you know. Like two times uh, in the book of Ephesians and in the gospel of Luke where the angel speaks about Mary, the mother of Jesus, that she is highly favored among uh, all the women. That, that's the same word, the same term used on your behalf. That you are highly favored by God. How, 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 you're a son. He has become your father. You, you, you're born of the same spirit. How can he treat you as a lost sinner or like not deserving his love? Oh, save us, Lord. You are an heir and co-heir with Christ. And you are part of the family. That's so beautiful. The whole New Testament speaks that you are heir and co-heir with Christ. It means every privilege and position which belongs to Christ belongs to you. And you are privileged to possess it. <laughs> it's radical. Like, whoa, wait, 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 wait a minute. Christ is, uh, uh, you wait. Because I have something to tell you. Uh, okay, where is Christ? In the heavenly places established as a king, seated, uh, the Bible says, beside the right side of the Father. Then Paul says that he has uh, seated us together with Christ Jesus beside the right side of the Father. If you are seated already beside the right side of the Father, according to their culture, only the highest privileged people would sit at the right side. And, and the, the heirs. So you are seated in Christ Jesus and you possess, you know, you are not a servant. You are not a slave anymore. You serve with your body here on earth so you may bring God's influence on earth, but with your heart, with your spirit, you are established beside the right side of the Father in Christ Jesus. You don't have the DNA of slave anymore. Don't, don't, don't just don't mix flesh with the spirit, you know, because the body, 
The body is the vehicle through which we uh, relate to this physical world. And we walk and we work and we do things, you know, and even we can sweat. But you don't sweat in your spirit anymore because you don't have the DNA of a, of a slave. You, you, you are not enslaved to, to, to God. You are adopted, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Part of the family. Part of, behold, the, uh, behold, this is the book of Hebrews. Jesus proclaims, behold, I and the children God has given me. That's so beautiful. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Well, want to finish, as I promised you, with the, 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 the last verse of the chapter. Listen to this. So Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem. Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem. For he ate at the king's table regularly. Although he was lame in both feet. And I was like, that's an interesting statement. Talking about God's grace. Some people think that because it is grace, unmerited, unsought, you know. We can do whatever, you know, like God is always good. And, and that, that's a wrong concept. That's uh, turning the things upside down, you know. Now listen to this statement. Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem. He never went back to the land of Lodibar to the house of Mahir. If you're a sinner and you have been delivered from sin and translated to this glorious realm of his presence in the king's table, why you should think, since, since he is good to me, and there is no enmity between me and David, I can do whatever I want. You know, why, why, why don't, uh, like, Mephibosheth goes back to, 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 to that former uh, place and, and state? Doesn't make, yeah, doesn't make any sense, right? right. You, why? We should crave going back because the devil is lying to us that what we have today and what we possess is not that pleasant like the, the sin we used to be uh, involved with. But that's a lie because sin is all about being a slave and, 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 and being a child of God is all about being free from sin. Grace doesn't bring you, give you a license to go back sinning without the threat of being punished, but grace actually is empowering you to be more and to grow more and more into freedom from sin. <laughs> now, why he lived in Jerusalem? Be because he was related to the king's table regularly. You know, this, this morning, I had a breakfast in, I, I didn't take it, but I had a breakfast in the hotel. But you know, okay, that's a not, no, not good example. But uh, there are places where you go for, for vacation, you know, and uh, it is uh, all included. Like breakfast, lunch, in Turkey we have places like that. Uh, uh, breakfast, yeah, Mexican too. Uh, all inclusive, uh, breakfast, lunch, uh, dinner, uh, free drinks during the day, coffee, ice cream, uh, cookies, you know, things like that. So you're positioned in that realm and you stay there and there's a pool, there are all kind of benefits, you know, you enjoy. But you don't go 
like uh, for, for activities or things like that too far away because 12 o'clock is, is the lunch and you want to participate this beautiful lunch which is almost for free, you know, because it's all, all inclusive. So my personal understanding is Mephibosheth was attached. He had to live in Jerusalem because on a regular time he had to participate the king's table. It will be a great disgrace if he despises the table and his place is empty. The king would say, where is Mephibosheth? And someone would say, uh, we don't know. He went to some place. And King David would is he despising my table, the king's table, for something else? For hamburger? You know, or for junk food? Do you understand the spiritual meaning here? Where we live. We live in his presence. Why I read the Bible? Why I pray daily? Why I have a devotional time and I'm interested of God on a daily basis? Because my table comes from above. My table is served from heaven. If I don't pray, if I don't have uh, devotional time, if I don't read the Bible, it concerns me. It doesn't concern God's, uh, you know... Uh, uh, attitude towards me, but I will suffer, I will be hungry, I will be uh, weakened, you know, and that's why I live in Jerusalem, if I can say, because the New Testament says that Jerusalem is our heavenly mother, it's the new realm, the, it is the church actually, you know, coming from above, the heavenly Jerusalem, and it speaks about our new privileges and our new position and state we are, and we live there and we don't go back to the world and listen to the junk of the world, you know, and all this garbage. Why? Because this table is spread before us and we are, how to say, we are related to that and we are dependent on that table. We are dependent. And it's a great privilege. Why I should choose anything else? You know, let's be honest. Some people are hooked to some things which are, uh, uh, you know, destroying their lives, addicted and hooked, and, and they're destroying their lives. And why they cannot get rid of that? Because the enemy is lying that Christianity is boring, sin is so pleasant, is so exciting. That's a lie. It's destroying your life. The most pleasant thing is the one you are created for. It's the presence of God, His love and kindness and glory. Glory, praise God. Let me pray and just release this, this power and anointing of the Holy Spirit to be drawn and established more closer to the heart of God. And so your feet might be established, not like the feet of Mephibosheth anymore, but you'll be able by the power of the Holy Spirit to walk in the ways of God, of righteousness and holiness, and you will live all of your days. You will live in Jerusalem. Father, in the name of Jesus, we are so privileged to know the truth. We are so privileged to participate in the power of the gospel which is a power unto salvation and deliverance from the wickedness of the world we pray over your people for divine impartation of new fresh anointing so their hearts might be drawn and established closer and closer to you the bible says get close to the lord and you will see him more i'm just paraphrasing but like uh, if you approach to him god will approach to you also it's your intention it's your desire which brings the lord closer to you and we want to live like mephibosheth in a constant dependence 
constant dependence of your glory, your presence, and your heavenly table. That's why we are not easily shifted away and drawn from the world because in our dependence, we know and we can declare this morning as David, uh, beside you, there is no good for me. There is no God. There is nothing which is more exciting than your supreme, my supreme joy is to be your son, your daughter, to eat on your table and to partake into the glorious benefits of being a child of God. In the name of Jesus, amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you so much for having us. We really appreciate what Pastor Cameron is doing with uh, all these uh, uh, activities all over the world, actually. And we are so privileged to know him and to be friends with all of you guys. Praise God. Don't forget to check our table with products. We have, uh, uh, I, I, I haven't written a new book, you know, like for because of our transfer to the United States. I didn't have time. But this is my last book. It's a very good one. And we have teaching cities, so my wife will be with the products. Thank you, Pastor Cameron. God bless you guys. Thank you. Yeah, give him a big hand. We're going to take our offering in just a minute. I do want to uh, plug the books. Uh, They make a great devotional um, because each chapter is short. And so uh, I've used Mitko's books as my own personal devotional. Just read a chapter and think about it. And just like he unpacked that story of Mitko, I never preach on that because I can't say the name. <laughs> Jonathan's son. <laughs> uh, he's, his books also unpack scriptures that you may be familiar with, but he sees them in a new light. I just it was picturing you like you, it's like you have a microscope on scripture, and you and you get down and, and see things that I've never seen, and so it's just a good thing. So I do encourage that. But if we could have the ushers come forward, um, and as I said, you can give to all the different options, regular tithes as well as the. Uh, 